everyone. I can't. Hi, babe. I was in the zone, and you've ruined it. <coughs> you um, blew it! Exactly. <laughs> that fits better now. Um, so, yeah, I was saying. That sounds like me. We, I, we, we're working against time because we're recording early, mm-hmm. and I asked you to prep for talking about we're all going to the World's Fair, which is a movie that we watched. You watched when you had COVID. Right. Which makes it probably even harder for you to recall. <laughs> but given your, your memory, I feel like every second we're losing more and sure. more. But before we that get there. That's all like me. Uh-huh. And this is deja vu. But um, so you finished the monochrome puzzle. Yep. That I gave you. Just a shy, shy under half a decade, right? Nope. Over half, six years, seven? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Not sure when that when uh, I was gifted that. <clears throat> and this is one of those things that whenever we make like a little bet or a wager, mm-hmm. you always talk the same big game. <laughs> you know, with that puzzle, I remember you're like, I'm going to put it together in a week or whatever. Whenever you don't come through on something, I let it go. I, you know what I mean? Why the fuck you lying? Uh-huh. I just kind of... We, I have fun in the moment, but for me, if we make a wager going back over 10 years where we, you won't let me forget it. Like the, like the Spielberg wager. You're wrong. Uh-huh. What wager did we make around the puzzle? There was no wager. You got me a, you got me a painful sap the joy of doing puzzles puzzle for me for Christmas. It was not a you... wager. It wasn't a, Hey, you got it for me for Christmas. <laughs> no. And it ruined my love of puzzle for years. Well, that's your, that's your victory. That's what you get. Yeah. Well, you were, you were talking to big game when I gave it to you. You're like, I'm going to put it together in a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I let that go. But you keep bringing up the fact like what it was over kingdom of the crystal skull. That was, and that was a wager again years that you imposed. Yeah, you imposed it upon yourself. I didn't bring that wager to you. You brought it to me. Well, that, that, that's what I'm saying. The puzzle wager is the same deal. You could have just received it, not say right. anything, but you had to talk your big talk. That's uh, fine. Keep bringing it up. Then I finished it regardless. So bitch. Talking about puzzles, you're working on a new puzzle. <laughs> yeah. And what's that puzzle? It's a Mickey Mouse puzzle. Actually, it's called Mickey and Friends. It's literally only Mickey on the puzzle. There I are can no see friends. A, yeah, multiple faces. It's a challenge puzzle, and it's millions of Mickey Mouse faces. There's nobody else on the puzzle. How do you choose your puzzles? Um, uh, I guess I want it to be visually interesting. I'm, I'm not, so just. Here's, here's what it Mickey is. Mouse Visually interesting, like chaotic, challenging, or kittens or puppies. Yeah. That's why? it. Those are the two. Maybe flowers. But I'm not doing the book, the book cottage or the, you know what I mean? Old man's tool shed or those dumbass puzzles. I don't like those. You just want the thousand Mickey faces. Yeah. And it's challenging. Yeah. But it's a lot more enjoyable than that monochrome puzzle because that, even when I finished it, was it was miserable. You also put these together and then you immediately break them apart. 
Yeah, because the point is not to have a finished puzzle and stare at it. Who wants yeah, to look at your puzzle? And then you hang on the wall. The whole point is you frame <laughs> it, putting it oh, together. We're back. <laughs> we're back to that. The whole point is just the time you spend putting it together. For me, that's the point. Well, with the puzzles that you get, I I don't doubt that. But there are good puzzles out there, puzzles that actually like look good. Come on, you're you're not, don't. I'm telling you right now, don't ever hang up a puzzle in your house. We'll see about that. <laughs> I already got some to hang up. I researched how to glue them together. I mean, maybe if you have like a get the frame, a, a game room or something. But what's the difference between a puzzle poster and a poster? Posters are meant to be displayed, I guess. Puzzles are meant Set to be two. put together because Set. because you can, you can't take a poster apart. You can't put it together and then take it apart. So if, Half of a puzzle, right, is taking it apart. So a, if you got a <coughs> poster that came in four parts, it was like four mini posters that put together a mega poster. Okie dokie. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. Wait. I would hang that up. I'm not ever hanging up a puzzle. Period. Is that the question? I'm just trying to delineate the difference <clears throat> between what you view as worthy of hanging up and what you don't. It seems to me I'm a traditionalist. If it's if it was meant if it was created to be displayed and hung up, then that's what you hang up. So why aren't puzzles created to be hung up? Because they're created to be put together. Because you you know why? Because you can't pick your puzzle up and put it on the wall. That's why. You have to glue it and mm -hmm. then put it on a thing. And then you have to like spray it to make sure it doesn't fade or whatever. That's why. It's too much work. Yeah, can you look around. Look am, around for something. Around. Look around for something that's hanging up that shouldn't be hung up. I'm looking around and I'm sure I could find something. All right. So anyway, listen. I'm right, you're wrong. We can agree on that. Let's move on. Hamburger. That's not what I meant to press. Where's my wrong? You're wrong. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I need to. I have, I have a puzzle that I'm sitting on um, that I need to get done. But I go for the quality puzzles. Who do you? Okay, who do you? Challenge and. Quality as in what? Good looking. Who quality what, what is puzzle not, brand do you not buy? Mickey and friends. What puzzle brand do you buy? Then? No friends, only the best. Yeah, you don't even know what they're called. Yeah, that's not quality. Then no, I've gotten some Ravens burgers. Okay, that's that's the quality ones. Those yeah. are the ones you have. If you're gonna hang them up, you have to. Those are the ones you have oh, to hang up. Now you're now you're okay with the idea of hanging. I'm up. not okay with the idea. I'm just saying, you don't want to walk into somebody's house and see a fucking buffalo puzzle on the wall. Okay. What's a buffalo? Oh. The brand. Okay. Not buffaloes. Do you think there's a puzzle podcast? Absolutely. Exclusively you, you could say, do you think there's a blank podcast? And the answer is yes. I was thinking about this the other day because this is the year of me trying to like, I've, I've said on the podcast, read more, listen more, all that stuff. I was thinking it's easy to find like upcoming books and albums and all that. Do people get excited for like puzzles and art? Like feels like that stuff just kind of gets released, right? There's no like puzzle yeah. fair where they're like 
2024. I'm look sure out. there is. I bet. Yeah, there has to be something, right? I mean, with there's it's the internet, so there's everything. Let me see. Um, I'm sure their website has something. Ravens Burgers. Do you think this quality puzzle? Do you think the whole department is like two guys? <laughs> We're just like getting licensed images and just running the wood cutting machine. Yeah, I don't see anything. Puzzle Ravensburger Puzzle Month. Shop local. Um. Yeah. So here we go. The Gardener's Shed. You're not gonna find me putting together the Gardener's Shed, the Beach Hut. Oh yeah, probably Merlin's lab laboratory. No, you you know I like I like the um, traditional art pieces that are turned into puzzles. Yeah, that could be cool. Yeah, and then you hang it up. Here we go. Ten. Oh no, that's puzzle games. Twenty twenty three jigsaw puzzle releases the complete list of new and upcoming puzzles. There you go. Twenty twenty three Buffalo Games jigsaw puzzles. Yeah, there you go. We've got a list. Okay. Um, yeah, I need to. I need to put together. I got into puzzles for a while. They're they're very relaxing. Do you listen to music and stuff? Um, it depends. Uh, if Julia is out here, she's usually watching something, and I'll just jump on your yeah on your puzz while, while she <laughs> don't don't call her that. <laughs> Puzz it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I usually do that. Or I'll listen to a podcast, yeah. Um, do the girls ever jump in? You know, it was one of those things where it's like, I remember doing puzzles with my mom growing up. And um, so I've always tried to sort of get them in on it. And when they were younger, I forced them to do a couple with me. And now they just don't want anything to do with it. Sometimes they'll come over here and put a piece in and that's about the extent of it i've been sitting on this picture can you re can we reach this is the the, the can't question you text it to me oh you know i guess i could can't reach across this big ass table <laughs> um this is what i wanted to bring up to you in man to man okay um and see what you had to say about it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, that was one of the things that was made this puzzle so frustrating. First of all, I know it, maybe it looks bad. That is exactly where it's supposed to be. But part of, one of the things that made this puzzle so annoying is that there was at least three or four times where I was completely stuck. And it was because... Because there's no picture on the puzzle pieces, things still fit together that are not supposed to go together. <laughs> so I will have a piece in the wrong place. And then eventually you just have to be like, all right, is this the wrong one? And take it out and try something else. But no, that was that is correct. Because nothing else would fit around it if that didn't, if that was wrong. Yeah, you you posted a picture and then you I, I took a picture and kind of looked at looked at it myself for any trouble spots um but uh, you're wrong toilets yeah can i read really quick um you texted me on thursday did you take a piece from the puzzle i'm only giving you one opportunity to confess. <laughs> 
We're really going deep on the puzzles, huh? What kind of of friend? (laughs) And and I love love that that, that a part of you thought I did steal the piece, right? A part of you. Listen, when in the first two or three minutes after I think a puzzle piece is missing, you can get me to believe almost anything, okay? I, my especially at that point with that puzzle i sent you that i was like 95 percent of the way done and i was convinced i was missing a piece and i was going to lose my mind. mind because i also have a g- good amount of previous puzzles where i was missing one piece somehow oh i i've missed i have a puzzle i put together there are like eight pieces at the end and i swear i didn't lose eight pieces but uh <clears throat> um yeah, and so that is a perfect example of I exactly. I was so convinced I was missing a piece. I started texting people, and you know what was wrong? I had one piece in the wrong place, but you could have never told because it looked like it fit exactly correct. All right. Well, so don't get you. So the 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 puzzle kind of drove you to madness. Yes, I do have a que- okay. I have another question about puzzles though. Um, when you put a puzzle together, what's the very first thing you do? What, what's the first thing you do in terms of putting the puzzle together? How do you tackle it? When I'm done, the first thing I do is kind of kneel and pray to God and have a, <laughs> uh-huh. like a Knights Templar moment. I kind of pledge my allegiance to God anew. What was the question? When you start, when you open up a box, uh-huh. you take all the pieces out. I throw them up How in the do air. you get started? What's the first thing you do to get started? Okay, so I'm opening a puzzle, ripping open the plastic. I am a, I don't know what you would call it, but I don't dump pieces. I keep them in the plastic for as long as I can. Mm-hmm. And I hunt for edges. Right. And I'm just... Looking for edges. Sometimes pieces are stuck together. I don't count. I don't take those apart. Uh, I feel like a puzzle purist would be like, you can't just pull together pieces out of the box. I totally do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I keep them together, too. Keep them together. So when I'm kind of into it, then I'm going to have my edges coming together and then probably a few spotty pieces in the middle kind of coming together as I usually based around like colors like if there's a big blue color i'm grabbing blues as well and i'm stacking them up and i'm kind of hitting different segments at different times yep is that you yeah so basically the first thing i do is you put the border together right Mm -hmm. you find all the edge pieces you put the border together what i do is um i Open the box, dump all the pieces out into the box. I got the box bottom and the lid, right? Then I start going through. I pick out all the edge pieces and I put them in the other lid, right? Or I put I put them on my mat. Mm -hmm. I put them on my mat and I put the other ones in the other lid, right? Go through and then I put all the edge pieces together. And I swear to God, every single time I do it, I am meticulous. With this puzzle, especially, I went like three pieces at a time. Mm-hmm. I took so long to do it, and I've never once gotten all of the edge pieces the first time through. Never once. And this time, when I took the most time I've ever taken, I was missing like 10. <laughs> yeah. Missing more than I'd ever missed before. Yep. Is that the same with you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. T- okay. Totally. Yeah. You can't be 
that's why I stopped trying to do what you did, and I go as I sift through the the box. Yeah. I, I keep them all in the plastic. Okay. All right. Maybe we should become a puzzle podcast. That's what I'm saying. There's a there's more meat on that bone than I thought. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm ready. I want to know upcoming puzzles now. Well, the li- wanna, link will be in the description. I want to know some some puzzle controversies. Mm. I want to know what we've been missing out on. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Did you watch The Black House? The I didn't watch The Black House. I watched The Black Tower. Ah, uh, The Black Tower. What did you think of The Black Tower? Um, so Black Tower is a little... The short film. Short. I feel from 1987. Oh, 80. Um, it's like 20 minutes long. It's on the full thing is on YouTube and it was on the BBC. It was, mm-hmm. uh, and it's basically about a guy who thinks he's being followed by a black tower, which sounds ridiculous, but in reality is really great. I loved it a lot. It's really unsettling. It's so unsettling. <clears throat> it's so, it's just this guy and the voiceover is so perfect mm-hmm. as somebody who, first sees this black tower and just thinks like, oh, new construction, I'm going to forget about it. And then just the ways that it pops up. And then there's certain images that that they use, like they capture the tower falling and just the tower flipping in and out, in and out, over mm-hmm, and over. Mm-hmm. They, they do these like looping effects sometimes. I have chills just now mm-hmm. thinking about it. And then it just ends so well. Like you you can see where it's going a little bit, but I was so impressed by the Black Tower. <clears throat> and yeah, I immediately sent it to you. Um, and I got it linked to me on uh, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. There's a um, an account. Um, now I'm going to have to give it, give it its credit um, but while I pull this up. Yeah, so there's actually, um, I think one of the reasons why it works so well and one of the reasons why it's so unsettling is because of how, like, normal and pleasant almost it is. Like you said, the guy narrating it never raises his voice. He never panics. There's, like, never a quiver. It's just this completely, just like he could be uh, bird watching. You know what I mean? Very pleasant. And it, yeah, there's just a, a long, the long unsettling sort of feeling that builds throughout it that I thought was great. The only thing I didn't, I didn't love the, so at the end he, um, well, I, well, I won't spoil anything. At, at, there's a, a, there's a second narrator. I didn't love the transition to the, the second narrator. End. It felt rushed. Mm. That That's it. It just felt like it was a little too quick. Uh, and I, I wish there was like a, maybe like just like an extra beat there or something. It it just makes me like you, you realize how much we don't have access to. You feel like mm-hmm. in the digital age, everything is available, all this stuff. But this is like just a short film in on BBC in the eighties. How is it going to be preserved? And it's just so well done, and it makes me rethink like True Detective. Mm-hmm. True Detective comes on, you're like, oh, this is so like unique, and I haven't seen anything like this before. And then you watch The Black Tower, and you're like, 
oh, like we we could have been doing more of this if if that's what caught the if, if that's what was commercial, I guess. Maybe so, this so last night I woke mm-hmm. up at like four. Sorry. Was, oh. So there's a podcast called The Horror Vanguard. Um and they do a good discussion of the Black Tower. Okay, That's what that I was, was looking for. Can you send that to me, or yeah. is it going to be in the in the show notes? I was looking for uh, a good um, kind of talk about it, and I couldn't find anything. Yeah, I'll send that to you. <laughs> I listened to it today, um, and they're you know very smart about their discussion about it. And it's so like it to me. I think I texted this to you. It's it's cosmic horror mm-hmm. done right. I love. The kind of everyday blending of this kind of otherworldly, you know, um, experience. Yeah. And in it, they also talk a little bit about um, Thomas Ligotti, which is also a um, sort of through line with True Detective. Have you read any of Thomas Ligotti's stories? I've, no. I, I, I remember after True Detective and... I got a whole bunch of authors and stuff that I wanted to read, and mm-hmm. I don't think I ever. Then I read The Fisherman by John, and then I went mm-hmm. off on a Landgan kick. I mm-hmm. remember, and, but I never went back. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because I've I've only ever listened to two episodes of Horror Vanguard. One of it them is. was the the Black Tower, and the other one was The Fisherman. Um, two really great cosmic yeah horror stories. Mm-hmm. Man. Um, so yeah, the the Twitter account is scarred for life, and they just post kind of like old weird commercials, old weird television specials, and like you know those horrifying like seatbelt PSAs mm-hmm. when we were kids that were like truly monstrous in how they were conceived. Yeah. Watch this pregnant lady fly through a windshield, you know, wear your seatbelt. Um, but they posted another short that I watched from the 70s called The Contraption. Mm-hmm. Also I, on YouTube. Yeah, I was going to spoil it for you, but I don't, I, 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 I won't watch that. It's only seven minutes. The Contraption? The Contraption. Okay. It. It gets funnier the more I think about it. <laughs> okay. Is it not supposed to be funny? <laughs> no, I think it's supposed... I think it does what it's trying to do. Uh-huh. But it, what it ends up being and kind of the punchline at the end, so to speak, is just so, like, un... You, you can't anticipate it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it uses some some weird audio. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, puzzles, scarred for life, the Black Tower. Um, we're all going to the World's Fair. We're all going to the World's Fair and Swarm. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about um, World's Fair before, not on the podcast, but a. That's why I wanted to bring it one up. to so, one. So the world's we're all going to the world's fair is a film about a teenager who hears about this like creepy pasta type internet um, YouTube video YouTube video and 
the basic idea is that you can kind of project yourself to this digital space called the world's fair. Mm -hmm. And um, there's like a whole ritual around it. And all these stories of kids like climbing into their computers, getting sucked into their computers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And kind of tracks her obsession with it. But the big twist of the film, and she kind of befriends this older man mm-hmm. through like message boards and stuff. Well, through response videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He reaches out because he's sees her video on YouTube. That's right. And he's kind of monitoring the whole trend. But he doesn't show his face. Right. He's like he has just like a, a voice. Creepy troll face avatar almost. Yeah. <clears throat> and the big twist, and, and I thought you had a really interesting take on it, which is why I wanted to talk about because it, it, it kind of speaks to my my anticipation for what Swarm was going to be mm-hmm. and then maybe what Swarm actually is, which mm-hmm. is not like we're all going to the World's Fair. Right. Um, so I don't know if you remember what your take was on it. You want to jump in here if you want me to ask you. The specific question. Yeah, my take was more or less. So the movie ends with um the movie ends with her deciding with I can't remember how it ends. <laughs> it ends I know that it ends with a confrontation between the guy and the girl, mm-hmm. and she gets creeped out, calls him a pedophile. And tells him not to contact her ever again. I don't remember if there's a ruling on whether or not it's real or not. But my take was basically that for me, it read as kind of like the difference in how the generations use the internet almost. And at the time, I felt like there's always been something with our generation and the generations after us, the younger generations where it seems like authenticity was a huge deal for our generation. Mm -hmm. You know, how real something is band selling out, you know, genuineness, blah, 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 blah. And that from what I've observed doesn't seem to be as big of a deal with the younger generations. So the way I read the end was basically this old man, older man, I assume he's probably our age, maybe a little bit older, or supposed to be, this old man is basically convinced that it this is real and is genuinely trying to reach out to people and sort of keep tabs on them. Whereas for the girl, it was kind of only as real as she wanted it to be. And I never really got the feeling that she truly believed it was real. Right. But at the same time, I also think there's probably something to say about like, you can force yourself to believe something. You know what I mean? You can, you could start off at the beginning thinking this is not real at all. And then every day for a week, just kind of tell yourself, yes, it is real. And I think eventually you will start to believe it's real. Like, I think you can 
trick your brain into believing something that you would not normally believe. Yeah, I think that that's true as well. Um, so the the ending and the point that I wanted to pick up on really quickly is in the plot, she makes a video where she kind of destroys this stuffed animal that she's had since mm-hmm. she was a little girl and seems to like have an out of body experience almost. She comes back to herself in this video and seems to like be upset that the toy was destroyed. So mm-hmm. that's when this older guy asks to, quote, go out of game. And he admits that he continues to worry about her, says that he once considered calling the police over her video's content. And she seems surprised by his statement and then angrily says, like, they're not real, cuts off all contact with him. Mm-hmm. And then he, at the end, kind of says, oh, after a year, we we met everything's good we're, we're, we're friends right we're, and that's kind and that's also kind of a thing where it's like i i don't personally believe that i don't He's think he's just so coping right yeah well yeah it, it it speaks to again i think this idea of what the the it, it's it to me is kind of a good analysis of the difference in generations we've talked about it of growing up online with an online presence than growing up outside of that Mm-hmm. And trying to say that we had the quote-unquote real childhood, right? Because it was tactile. It wasn't in this digital fantasy land or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then what you have is this old man trying to, you know, partake in this fake universe. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who gets fooled by it. It mm-hmm. becomes almost too real for him. And for her, she seems easier to kind of like walk away from it, you know, or at least just be like, how dare you call the fiction? That's what this all is. Like, yes. Mm -hmm. And I found that I, God knows what my take was, but I remember you saying (laughs) that was like kind of made it all fall together. Uh And I was like, that's such a great kind of, exploration of the reality of online life and how it can be and feel sometimes more real than the actual world. Mm -hmm. While also I think kids who are uh, uh, aware of like online language can have a separation of it Mm -hmm. that maybe we don't have. Yeah. It's like the equivalent of, listening to rap music when we were younger and people being like, it's violent. You're going to get, you know, you're going to, it's going to cause violence, mm-hmm. you know? And you're like, no, it's not like, I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm a 13. I know I'm a 13 year old. Yeah. Just let me listen to, you know, uh, NWA or let me just listen to Mace. <laughs> right. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yeah. I also think it's interesting because, our, I feel like our generation is probably the last generation where you're going to get people who are tricked, who can be tricked by the internet. That's true. Y- you know what I mean? Like uh, with our generation, I feel like it's kind of a coin toss. Mm-hmm. You can f- still find people who are just like boomers about the internet and just don't understand how it works. But I feel like for the most part, everyone after us is is going to have sort of, like you said, that inherent language of like, 
I can more or less figure out what's real or not on the internet. And maybe, maybe, you know, it has thinking about it like politically, because obviously still some people still believe crazy shit from the internet that that's not true. But I think that probably goes back to the point of like, I don't know if I believe anyone of a certain age truly believes like some of the radicalized stuff on the mm, internet politically, mm-hmm. but I have no doubt that they've recited it enough times that they do start to believe it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the people who know better have gamified it in their minds. So mm-hmm. like it was revealed how kind of Tucker was not, not sympathetic to the idea that the 2020 election was stolen. Mm-hmm. Once his texts come out and that gets exposed, one of his very next shows is one of the greatest disasters of my, or, you know, controversies of my lifetime, the stealing of the 2020 election. Right? Like, <laughs> right. He, he understands that the game is just a simple, like, you just need more weight on one side than the other yeah. to, to win this. So all I need to do is just make people perceive that I am on one side of the issue. But as long as that one is the perception is I'm more on that side then I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have to believe anything. I just need to keep everything in balance mm-hmm. in, in proportion. And, um, and so I think in the same way you have these internet kids who also have this idea, and I think a better idea than we do, of the balance of like the online reality and the and the perceived. But then I do wonder, like, is it just moral panic? Is it just the moral panic in me that sees people getting influenced by influencers and make me concerned that people don't know the the, the difference? Is it an age thing? Is it the fact that we're all going to the World's Fair? She was kind of like an older teenager, whereas we are parents of, of younger kids. Mm-hmm. And that fear is more readily, like, applicable to a nine-year-old watching, you know, this person say, this is my life. My life is like, I live in a castle. I fly private jets. I eat this type of food and mm-hmm. and have that be fake, you know what I mean? But the... Or do you think like the girls and the younger kids are going to grow up and and have a healthy understanding of like what influencer culture is and what online life is and what outside life is? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably going to get really muddy. You know, I I try to be skeptical of everything I see on the internet. Um. I don't think everybody approaches it that way. And they are definitely at the point where we've had to just um, remove YouTube from everything they can get their hands on because <laughs> they watch just the worst crap. Mm-hmm. It's just all influencer stuff. It's all girls who are making like barely innuendo laden yeah videos for young boys but they don't know what they're watching for the most part and so we've just had to like they they get to watch youtube for like 10 minutes in the morning before school and that's it it's not on their tv anymore it's not on their devices like and you know i guess it's 
probably on us to help them. Not probably. It's going to be on us to help them figure out how much of that is real and what is not. Mm-hmm. But the entire point of that um, economy is blurring the lines between what is sponsored content and what is just real content. I think sponsored content is actually the insidious part of it. Like, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that stuff is where things get gross mm-hmm. and tricky. I do think like there are elements of like, we're all going to the world's fair or like you see in slender man where two young girls did actually murder somebody mm-hmm. supposedly based on part partly the myth of it mm-hmm. um but i think i don't know like i'm trying to put myself in the situation of if my son or someone i knew is like we're all going to the world's fair i'm gonna post a video about it and be like oh, that's that's healthy or be like yeah i'm i'm sorry right you can't go down <laughs> you can't that do that you, you, you can't do that there's also an element of it that's like it's basically the modern version of um bloody mary when we were kids yeah which everyone did when they were kids that's also something i've been thinking about too is like and we've had this conversation a million times but like going back to like what the kids watch and like just how sheltered they are compared to what we were watching when we were kids Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and it's like the stuff that i saw before i was even the girl's age I saw Freddy Krueger. I saw the Jason, like everything. You know what I mean? By the time I was 10 years old. And I, they're so scared of being scared that I can't imagine them watching something like that unless they were like 16. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a weird like balancing act. And I don't know if we're being too... Um prudish about it i yeah, guess you yeah. know what i mean yeah and and it's like the back rooms we've talked about that where i i know as a young kid i'd be all about the back rooms Did yeah. you see that the kid who made the back rooms youtube videos is making it a feature film for like a24 no <laughs> yeah he's doing it over summer break he's finishing his junior senior year and then directing a movie which mm-hmm. I don't know. Something in me, maybe it's the prude in me, is like, just give the money to Charlie Coffin. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. We don't need this. Let the seventeen-year-old kid. Yeah. Cook a little longer. Yeah. The, the these videos can stay on YouTube for now. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, I watched the backrooms videos. I was going to send them to you, but I was mm-hmm. like, uh, but the backrooms is also something that my son knows about. Mm. I remember asking like some of the cousins, I don't know if your girls were there, but most of them knew what the back rooms was. Mm-hmm. And it, it felt like a democratized kind of um, myth or legend mm-hmm. because it depends on what video you're referencing when you talk about the back rooms or maybe you didn't watch any of the YouTube, maybe you just read reddit posts about the back rooms mm-hmm. or maybe you kind of got into the cosplaying of it and you are actually like play acting as if it's real. like there's so much 
room in the backrooms lore for people to get involved in, to explore. And it feels like the modern version, day version of like Dungeons and Dragons. I remember being a kid and, and being told like, they run in the sewers. They play Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> in the sewers. And they're like, they'll kill you if they come across <laughs> you. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then like you see what they are. pretty badass Dungeons and Dragons player here in town. <laughs> yeah. And, and I remember kids talking about it at school. And like, oh, yeah, they're, they're in the sewers. They're, and then you compare it to like, or then we got confused with like it pennywise yeah and, you know that's yeah. anyway it, you know it's the same thing there's just something about the internet that makes it feel more real because i didn't grow up in that era but i think that there is an opportunity for people to engage in more like imagination to have more of an outlet for mm-hmm. maybe their feelings and isolation and fears that that can be healthy um but I think it's hard when you open access to anybody internationally. I think that's probably, it's the crossover of marketing um, that makes things gross and like targeted advertisement towards kids that is gross. And then also the idea that it does open up to like in we're all going to the world's fair, this old dude mm-hmm. like doesn't get it or mm-hmm. maybe Maybe underneath it all, he is just trying to, like, get close to young kids. Yeah. What a gross thing. So yeah. that's, the, that's the thing about the internet. But I think that there is – I'm trying to work against the scold in me and say the internet is has more opportunity for kids to, you know, express themselves than it does for kids to harm themselves mm-hmm. in. Again, sure. I think if you take an active role in your kid's life. With that being said, okay, swarm. yeah. So, all right, yeah. So what? So I, I guess that's what brought you to Swarm then. Mm-hmm. So, I remember first hearing about Swarm, and I heard that it's about kind of um, fan like music obsessive culture. Yeah, and the way that <clears throat> the first trailer played was somebody adjacent to like a Beyonce mm-hmm. is has this rabid fan base and Beyonce's fans are called the Beehive, mm-hmm. right? And um this is not Najee. Um mm-hmm. Nija. Is it not because Nija's also the name of a skater that gifted skater makes fun of a lot of times. Nigel Houston. Yeah. So I don't know if it's the if it is um, it is, well, I mean, reading the name's not good. It's Nija, yeah, N-I-J-A-H. So, yeah, Nija, and she has, um, the, the idea that I get in the show is she is kind of maybe a few decades into her career. She's mm-hmm. kind of on the way out. New artists are kind of coming up, but she's still very relevant in the culture, but not... She doesn't have a chokehold on the on the culture in the way that she once had. Okay. Right? Is that the sense you got from the first two episodes? No. That must be a third episode observation because the from the first two episodes, well, from the first episode, it, it seems like a pretty clear cut one to one 
this is Beyonce and this is about Beyonce's fans. Mm -hmm. There doesn't seem to be a lot of diversion from that to me at least. So I was expecting to kind of have an exploration of online fandom Mm -hmm. obsession and explore that, maybe even explore it from the pop stars perspective Mm -hmm. and maybe have it where what if this pop star is losing relevance and tries to activate her fan base, Mm. you know, to kind of get more people excited for whatever project she has, Mm -hmm. but how could that be misread by a rabid fan? Right. Maybe like I thought it'd be interesting. Like what if this uh, fan who obviously in the trailer kills some people, Mm -hmm. what if she's activated by the pop star themselves? Who's just kind of like, fading in relevance and makes a big push, but uses maybe a more violent or aggressive image. Mm-hmm. And how does that get filtered down? You know? And it goes back to, again, like, like we, like we, we talked about, right. The, the whole image of musicians, especially and how people can misapply that to influencing the listeners. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I was never encouraged to be violent because I listened to Tupac and Biggie you know, that never translated to violence for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but other people would be, I remember my dad tore up a tape, of a rap tape that that mm-hmm. I had because he bought into that narrative. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's like, yeah, I'm a 13-year-old kid with a bowl cut. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Dressing up like a raccoon um, <laughs> for Halloween. You're right. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to get violent. Yeah. Um, and so... Uh, Instead, what you get is a much more uh, kind of genre. It's poker face, but about Beyonce's fans. It's it's exploitation. It's an exploitation show. Every episode is a murder. Mm-hmm. And you get to watch this fan who, amazing actress, mm-hmm. actor, like, just I think she's doing a great job. Mm-hmm. And if we just think about the first two episodes, there there are moments that I still look back and and find hilarious. Number one, it's it's the way she moves. Do mm-hmm. you remember the way that she's running to her job mm-hmm. in the mall? Yeah. That like mm-hmm. wide stance. Yeah, she's really great. And then her first strip. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the guy's just like that's at the beginning befuddled. of the second episode. Oh yeah, my. poo. That's poo from the wire. Yes, poo. <laughs> oh my god, that was hilarious. Yeah, and I, I, I found out. I didn't know this, but like a lot of the scenarios are based off of like internet rumors of real things that have happened. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Mm-mm. And so like like people real people being murdered real real people having a um like yeah so some of them are like I read this interview where the the director was like yeah I remember hearing this um story of a fan like killing somebody or something and then mm-hmm. it turned out to be fake later on but for that while we believed yeah that this happened and so Again, kind of that blending of reality and fiction online. Mm-hmm. I think that that comes up underneath the surface, but it definitely is not about that. Yeah. 
what were your what, what what's your general thought? I know I I kind of just jumped all over the place, but what's yeah, your I had the same ideas going into the show just um, by watching the trailer. Kind of, I was expecting more of a and uh, ex- just uh, more of a like take on maybe fan culture, internet culture. Um, you know, it obviously looked like they were taking a lot from the Beyonce thing, fan club, whatever, which they, they're notoriously like insane. Um, but careful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I, I, they're passionate. Yeah. (laughs) But I expected more than that in regards to I did not expect the parallel to be so close to what it is which like I said it's pretty much one-to-one this is about Beyonce and it's not about Beyonce this is the framework is based on the framework of Beyonce and then like you said it becomes this it becomes well like I said it becomes poker face it just becomes well. I've only watched the first two episodes, but it seems like it becomes a serialized. I'm I, I'm watching uh, Matlock basically, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the first so the first episode so the first episode is called Stung. Obviously, it's when you get introduced to everybody. So you meet Dre, you get the whole obsession thing. R- really quick, I found it. Every episode deals with real news stories, real events, or internet rumors. That have happened. Mm. So, so yeah. So I was expecting more of a long form examination of kind of those fan questions. And I thought the first episode outside of the very end did a great job of like introducing those questions and making me think about those things. Some things, some notes I took um while I was watching it are and I mean maybe we can talk about this if you want to but I it doesn't really seem like the show is going to be interested in talking about this stuff so I don't mm-hmm. know how useful it is but um I was thinking about how much of this story is uniquely female mm. right like could you put a a male a guy in this scenario and have the same story or or how you know some a lot of it seems to be like be different right based on female identity and and how they relate to the world and blah 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 um you know this was something that you kind of addressed with where you thought you were going to do with the show but I, i was wondering if you thought in this type of scenario do you think the artists have any sort of responsibility Mm. in drumming up these Mm -hmm. you know you know what i mean these fandoms um um so that was kind of that also kind of questions of like in the the first episode i think does a good job of sort of walking the line of like you don't you're not really sure i think as the audience you sort of take it your assumption is that, yeah, this Dre, she's like gone off the deep end Mm -hmm. or she's going to, but how aware of that do you think like the other characters in the story are? Because there's a moment in the first episode where her friend makes just like a throwaway remark 
of like, oh yeah, you're the only person crazy enough to go do that or something. And it, to her, it's just a total like joke more or less. Um, but I don't know, like, you know, how aware of that are them Yeah, are her friends. Yeah. I, I had a lot of the same ideas. The other thing that hit me on the first one in, in the question was, or oh, I thought was interesting, is it opens with her getting a Discover card mm-hmm. and then immediately racking up $1,800 in mm-hmm. debt just to, to buy get, tickets, just to get these tickets. And you do have the whole Ticketmaster, mm-hmm. you know, d- debacle. Who was it? The Cure just mm-hmm. tried to go on tour and keep their costs down, and Ticketmaster ended up charging more in fees mm-hmm. than for the actual than the ticket. actual tickets yeah um and then the the cure did something and ticketmaster had to refund everybody yeah and so you you have these like pred like it's you can look at it number one from like predatory mm-hmm. so look at dre as a victim of predation by people involved in around this like community and you have like yeah you have people who are just trying to extract as much money from the fans as possible and the fans who are willing to allow themselves to be extracted to the point where ticketmaster i like what it was taylor swift right that that brought it all to head ticketmaster was like charging like they they, they like Showed their ass, right? Yeah, Finally, I mean that's that. I, I remember that too, but nothing seems to have come of it. You know what I mean? Like that, all that stuff is in the past by a lot. Well, now and we're still at a point where it's like they can. Oh, well, I thought they were going to try and pass a bill that would limit ticket. Yeah, I mean, maybe I don't to, know. That's that's what I'm saying. I don't know where it's at. It doesn't seem like anything has happened. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just like with any industry. If you give an industry the room to kind of cross a line, they will cross a line. Yeah, they will not hesitate. Mm-hmm. You you give them an inch, and they are like already there pushing for more. Mm-hmm. That's the nature of just like capitalism, and you know, human, the human imagination under capitalism is extraction, right? Yeah, and so then you can look at her as being again, like a victim of a broken mind. I don't think that she ever seems right. Yeah, totally. Like when she shows up to work and the the first episode ends with her friend dying. When she shows up to work, she like looks crazy. Yeah, we're we're not watching her descent. She's... She's, She's already descended. there. Yeah. Exactly. And then her friend is like, did you even brush your teeth? Yeah. You didn't change, like you didn't change your smell mm-hmm. and has to take her into the bathroom to get her like fixed up. So you do have this person who is, again, like you said, she's not descending. She's at a low point already. Mm-hmm. And then how does that person operate in, again, uh, a world where like almost the 24 hour news cycle has also been replaced by like the 24 hour marketing cycle mm-hmm. where even on social media, you can just fill your time up with rumors and mm-hmm. stories true or false about this person that you've put your whole identity into. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is kind of what this becomes 
So at the end of episode two and what kind of happens from episode in episode three, I, I, I went ahead and just peeked at episode three mm-hmm. is like, she ends up just like tracking people down based on their Twitter mm-hmm. accounts. Well, that's what episode two is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, and it kind of goes on from there. But I think in episode two, that's also, you have the character that she attacks. She shows him mm-hmm. like what he said. And he's like, Twitter, yeah, <laughs> and then she he doesn't kills care him. at all. Yeah, well, yeah, because for him, he's like, that's not right. That's not real. What yeah. are you talking about? Yeah, no, you you get to go on Twitter and <laughs> and be somebody, mm-hmm. say something that you may or may not believe in, but that's the whole point. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And for her, there is no delineation, right? Like her life is online life, mm-hmm. fully melded. And again, it's like we're all going to the World's Fair, except the fears are justified. This person has actually fully bought in and believes that they can yeah, climb into their computer or whatever. Yeah. So I thought the first episode did a great job, like I said, of kind of, intro- well, maybe you didn't. Maybe it's not introducing those questions at all. That's just kind of what I'm bringing to the yeah, table. Yeah, I, I like those those questions. But and it didn't seem, it, it's not going to be answering those questions, do, it doesn't seem like. Do you feel comfortable saying that an artist has no responsibility um, I guess the, I guess the operative word is responsibility. Well, I guess in terms of responsibility, in terms of like, can they do anything about it? Yes, probably. I'm sure there is some things they can do about it. I think they're probably also capable of fueling it. Um, yeah, I think that's probably... You know, it's tricky because you don't, you want to be like, well, she's responsible for who she is and what she does, you know. But at the same time, the the whole, like I said, our entire economy, the attention economy, the fiscal economy, all of it is dependent on, like, addictive tendencies. Mm-hmm. Food, attention, mm-hmm. like, all of it is they want you to be addicted in one way or another. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, if you're going to be Beyonce, you have to be aware of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I mean, at, she, she's not running any of the, like, I feel like she has a team who, Oh, absolutely. Even if, they, even if they're going to leak like a rumor or a story, that's all been like vetted by like, a team of people who are responsible. I don't know that she's, yeah. she might not even be aware of the narrative about her online. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so the first episode ends with her, with Dre going to her friend, um, kills herself, right? Kills herself it's for a overdoses. Little, yeah, it's a little muddy, but her friend dies, and she at the end of the episode she ends up going over to her friend's boyfriend's house, um, and then she kills him, <laughs> and that's when I realized, oh, this show is not what I thought it was going to be, and then the entire episode, second episode is just like, like I said, to to me, it's the. Maybe it's just because we we just watched Poker Face not that long ago. We didn't finish it, but we've watched like the first six or seven episodes. It, it, for me, it tracks pretty closely. Like the first episode of both of these is is very cinematic, very 
um, thoughtful. It seems like there's going to be a lot of depth to it. And then the second episode starts and it's like, oh, no, this is just a serialized. It's a lark. Yeah. Like you said, it's just we're just going to tell another. It's like a creature of the week type deal. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, so that's fine. You yeah, know, I'm not can't hold that against it. It's just not what I was expecting. In, in what way has Dre like lost the thread on another internet? Yeah, like, social media, right? Post or figure. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say for me, I really love the first episode, and I think the third, like, kind of rivals it. I mm-hmm. I really like. And I'm, so I'm interested in what you think about the third, but yeah. we'll, we'll talk about the third and fourth. Are, are you going to keep watching? Yeah. Okay. Well, so, I have to, right? Because that's what we're doing the podcast. <laughs> well, on. I mean, hey, you know, we <laughs> I can didn't talk about finish poker face. We can talk about puzzles. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Puzzle life. <laughs> um, two moments from the first episode that I loved was, I think it's when Dre is at the mall with the boyfriend. And he's starting to hit on mm-hmm. her. And he says, I saw your scary ass spying on me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just a great line. <laughs> yeah. And then the um, the Rory, Rory Culkin strawberry bowl shot. <laughs> yeah. was absolutely hilarious. That, that was based on a real Donald Glover story. Oh, really? Yeah, where he like was with somebody in the next morning. She like woke up and he was eating a bowl of cherries and then he was saying how like how weird it was uh-huh. for him to have cherries and he realized like she was freaked out about it uh-huh. and he like had this moment of like, what am I doing? Why am I eating cherries like yeah. like this in the morning? Right. Um, yeah. And so they kind of <laughs> put that in. Yeah. That was really, that, that was very funny. Do you get any, again, not knowing what it was going to be about. I do get very like uncomfortable with stories that are about people on the brink of society. It mm-hmm. just makes me so like, nervous, anxious, anxious. Mm-hmm. Did you get any of that? Like when she was getting evicted from her place and mm. getting this discover card and working at a kiosk in a mall yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I did make a note that I don't think I've ever been more unqualified to talk about something in my life than, than this show. <laughs> it's it's yeah. about, it, it deals with black culture, which I obviously have no experience with, or, you know, not direct experience at least. It deals with, um, like you said, people on the uh, brink of society, economically speaking, poor people, which... I've never been poor, I think, at least by these standards. It deals with, um, like, obsessive fan culture, which I cannot relate to at all. If anything, I am probably on the opposite end of that. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I just made sure to point out, like, no personal experience with this story really whatsoever outside of just, like, a basic human element. Yeah. Another question, you tech you texted me about this. This has obviously been done a million times. Oh, well, I guess that explains it by you saying they're basing it off internet stories. Because the show opens with the thing that says this is a true story. Everything you see 
is not a coincidence or something, da, blah, 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 blah. Yes. And so I was kind of just curious, like, clearly anybody can do that. It's at the beginning of, I think, Fargo most famously, right? Right. What are the legalities behind that? <laughs> yeah. Is like, there some sort of disclaimer at the very, very end that we're missing that says, this is not based on a true story? <laughs> yeah. At, at some point, I knew <clears throat> where that came from, but I can't for the life of me remember um, like why people started putting that in the beginning of their films. Um, yeah, for me, when I first saw that, yeah, I think I texted you. I was like, can they even do this? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Getting part, real wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Part of me was like a little concerned that it would be a little too on the nose. I do like the fact that they've abstracted it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I thought that that was uh, like it fits when you realize. And like you, I, I find it so interesting that knowing that this is based off of like real stories and rumors, mm-hmm. I haven't heard one of them yeah something happens in the third episode that apparently again has some connection Mm -hmm. in real life i definitely want to talk about the real basis for it but i was like how did i not hear this Mm -hmm. where where, when did this happen yeah um and so yeah we'll we'll, we'll get to that yeah the the second episode is honey Mm mm-hmm so 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 the second episode is it opens with Dre. So the the first episode ends, she kills the boyfriend. Uh and then the second episode opens and there's no they they don't address any sort of time gap or anything. So I'm I'm assuming it's well, I don't know because the second op- episode opens with her working at a strip club. Right. And she was not a stripper in the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> so she's. I, I also want to mention, really, I'm going to go watch it again tonight when I get home, but Pooh, his his look, yeah. too, like his of just complete. Right. <laughs> Total <laughs> confusion. <laughs> yeah. So it opens with her dancing, um, and then it becomes. Her, that, that, that girl's like, hey. She's dancing there because the guy who tweeted that thing, and Julie and I were talking about this during the first episode. His tweet shows up in the first episode when after her friend has died and there's like a feed going through on Twitter, people are commenting about the death or they're commenting something about the album that Nyjah's releasing. But yeah, I'm pretty sure both. his tweet is in there somewhere. And it's either saying something about Nija or it's saying something about her friend's death. Yes. Um, but so she is now working at the strip club that that guy frequents. Yes. And one of the reasons Pooh is so confused is because he thinks he's showing up for a show or whatever. And she's only, in, once she realizes it's not the guy who's tweeting shows up, she's just like leaves and is completely uninterested. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that episode is about her tracking down that guy. And, but but she also befriends another stripper. But then she kills her. Ki- kills well, and kills her her boyfriend. boyfriend but then he, she kills her. Then she they, then the, for the, apparently no reason. Right. The, the girl is all into it. Annoying. Right. Yeah, I think that she's annoying. I think she also like I thought it was funny when she tells Dre that she's black. <laughs> right she's half like you know who that is right who paris jackson 
Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So she is like a quarter black. Or no, she's half black. Yeah. Um, which one is uh which one is blanket? Is that Paris? Uh no, I think blanket's blanket. I thought I thought blanket was called blanket because they, he, they, they, they he want held the baby it. out of the window with a blanket, blanket on its head, but its name is not actually blanket, <laughs> right? The, you know what's hilarious about this? This would be our version of the story. Is like <laughs> we would have I would have a character named blanket because I I really did think that he, blanket Jackson is called Biggie. Her name is called. You know what? That's so. I listen to a, a, when we do fantasy, I listen to a a fantasy podcast and seem like the nicest guys in the world. Okay, first of all, oh, okay, fan page. Never mind. Her name's Biggie. Uh, Nicest guys in the world, like pretty much straight down the line, liberal guys. You know what I mean? Like Biden, Harris guys, whatever. New, completely Normies. neutral, vanilla, vanilla people, right? They do this thing whenever they get to a name where they don't know, like, you know, th- three or four guys, it's just, two guys are injured and they're like three or four spots down in the depth chart. They don't know the guy and maybe he has a weird name. Every single time they say, and filling in for him is something called, and then they say the person's name and it's like, I don't know. It's For some not, reason, too, that is so gross. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not something. It's a human. And they're not called. And they're not called. It's their name. <laughs> um, yeah, her name's Biggie Jackson, not Blanket. Oh, wait a minute. Prince, who Paris is who we were talking about. Prince Michael Jackson, too, more commonly known as Blanket or Biggie, was born on da 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 Prince. Prince. Um... Oh, and he, she is a he, so <laughs> Biggie Jackson is a, is a guy. Yeah. All right, so just wrong on every That's front. what I thought. I knew that. <laughs> I had that. I want to go in the right. I had yeah. that right. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's Paris Jackson. Okay. Befriends her, kills her boyfriend who's abusive, and then she and seems to just get annoyed. D- did you get the feeling that she was, like, trying to recruit Trey into, like, almost like a nx i am the, the, oh really the, like a cult the the, the knife not cult? really because like she shows up at the branding cult you mean yeah like nexium are the people that branded themselves oh nexium mm-hmm. um you know it, it it struck me like she was way over aggressive but it seemed she like, was very aggressive it seems like she ha- is dealing with her own kind of um Maybe like personality disorder issues potentially. Yeah. Um, because she's obviously not right. When she sees her dead boyfriend, she kind of kicks him. Well, and, and helps bury him. Yeah. I guess I took that as, you know, he was obviously very abusive. Yeah. So I just. Well, I, I thought they were like acting like they get in a fight with Dre in the house. She just, she just kind of slinks out and I was like, Oh yeah, I guess this is just a normal lady with an abusive boyfriend. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, so yeah, then d- does it end? Does it end with her then? 
It ends with her killing the guy in his bath. It ends with That's one right. of the other dancers shooting him in the bathroom. Yes. And um, I love there's a scene where, you know, so the tow truck comes. They they have a oh, they go to the um to the baseball team game. Did you mm-hmm. like the blurred out um masturbation? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was an interesting choice. The, the the one thing that I have to say is I, I'm not going to go back and watch this. Uh-huh. But did it strike you that like <laughs> it looked like he was using three fingers. Like he was pinching it? Yeah, it felt like he was like just I, I was like I don't know, man. Maybe Yeah. Maybe there's that's like a online method yeah maybe but i was like that does not look like he's doing <laughs> it looks like he's like afraid he's gonna break it yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like um but yeah he gives straight a thousand dollars yeah that's right um yeah and then it ends with him the guy being shot and then i do like that leaving, scene where where the he comes in the tow truck the the guy that you that dre wants to kill mm-hmm Takes him to his house where he's going to fix up the car, mm-hmm. which also he says, don't worry about the money. I'm like, take, take the money back. <laughs> right. <You know>? um, <laughs> sure. And then they're leaving, and I love they're waiting on one of the one of the other um, girls to come out. And whoever's in the passenger seat, she's like, he doesn't want to know that you have an AA degree. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, <laughs> That was good. She runs in. They shoot him. She leave. Dre leaves him. That's right. That's right. Which that's I thought right. was Dre, really funny right, too. Dre just. That's right. And she leaves everybody. She just leaves, and then. So she's on to the next one. Yep, on the next one. There you go. And so are we. Yeah. All right. So. That's been puzzle talk. Yeah. Um. So next week we'll do episodes three and four. Mm-hmm. And then I think that puts us good for then the week after Dredge comes out. Uh huh. So then we'll play Dredge maybe that week and then talk about it. Okay. Okay. All right. Anything else? But he's gay. I think that says it all. All right. I love you. Bye bye.